Afterthoughts, Episode 8. Welcome to Afterthoughts. I'm your host, Paul Steele. I'm also the pastor at Bethlehem Church in Austin, Minnesota. Afterthoughts is really the companion uh, podcast to our Sunday morning messages. It gives me the opportunity to go beyond what was said on Sunday morning during our uh, teaching time, during the message, to cover uh, additional thoughts and ideas, uh, truths that weren't able to make it into uh, a 30-minute sermon. Uh, here at Bethlehem, we've been going through the book or the the study, the the story. And the story really is an abridged version of the Bible. And we're using it as a tool to accomplish two things. The first thing we want the story to help us to accomplish is to gain a better grasp of the overarching story of the Bible. What what is the main message the Bible is trying to communicate to us? That it is God's story and his invitation to join us in the work that he is doing. Uh, The second thing that we want the story to help us to accomplish is to develop in our lives the practice of regularly uh, and consistently uh, reading the Bible. As followers of Jesus, we believe that there is importance in regularly studying, reading, uh, and talking about the Bible, that that's how we apply it to our lives. So we see that the Bible is God's word. It's his gift to his people, and we need to be good stewards of that. And we do that by, by taking the time to study the Bible, to read the Bible. So it be, does become a part of who we are and, and guides uh, the decisions and the choices that we make. Uh, so in chapter two of the story, we cover Genesis uh, chapters 12 through 35. And in these chapters, we see God start his restoration project of his good creation. Now remember, uh, Genesis chapters one through 11 really talk about uh What is going on? How come we have this world that we have? Uh, The beginning of the world as we know it. That we see that God creates a a good creation and yet uh, evil enters into that. And and, and because people uh, decide that they want to have the ability to declare what is good and what is evil. They want to define right and wrong rather than relying on God's direction and God's declaration of good and evil. They want to, we want to do that. And, and things just spiral out of control. And, and Genesis 11 tells us this story of how the, the people in the world came together, decided to build this, this wonderful big city with this tower that reaches up into heaven. And, and God looks down and realizes that, hey, if they stay together, uh, things are going to return to just like the time bef- in, before Noah when people's hearts and, and their minds, their thoughts uh, inclined towards evil. That, that's who they were. And, and God acted by scattering the people 
throughout the world by messing up people's languages so they couldn't understand each other. But now God is going to come and, and bless these people that have been scattered. And he, he calls one man, a man named at the time Abram, but we know that he later changes his name to Abraham. So that's how we'll refer to him as Abraham. He, he calls Abraham. And one of the key parts of the entire Bible to understand what God is doing is uh, is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Uh, I like to say that the Bible is arranged, not necessarily always historically, though in, in this time it is, but theologically. And it's not by accident that you have the scattering of the nations, of all the families of, of the earth. And then a few paragraphs later, you have God calling Abraham and saying, hey, through your family, through your descendants, I'm going to bless all the nations in the earth and the world. That is what I'm going to do here. So God makes this great and wonderful promise to Abraham. Now, it was dependent on Abraham's trust of God, his his willingness to obey God, to go to the land that God showed him, to uproot his life, to leave behind what was comfortable and to go. Uh, but, but God has this promise. You do this and you will receive this great blessing. And, and that's where we begin to understand and to see the importance of faith in following God, that much of what God is doing in our lives requires our trust of him, requires that, that we believe his promises, that we act on what he is telling us. And that's really what faith is. It's, it's acting on uh, God's promise and God's instruction, doing what he has asked us to do. And the key feature to all of this, and, and I think it, it's key too to understanding the Bible. And so we, we're already hitting on some very key aspects. If we're going to understand scripture, if we're going to understand God's working. Uh, so so in, in, in the last episode, we talked about the importance of understanding what it means that we are created in the image of God and, and how for us to really demonstrate that. We need to be connected with God. We need to allow God to inform us on what is good and what is evil, that we need to accept his definitions of those things, and that sin is uh, comes in into play when we say, no, we want to define what is good and what is evil, and we do what is right in, in, by, in our own eyes. 
And that's crucial to understand. This is the world. This is the type of world that we live in. Uh, this, this, next, this next one is understanding this idea of covenant. The idea of covenant runs through uh, the Bible from beginning to end. And it's not something that we as Westerners always have the greatest grasp of what, what, what is a covenant. And, and, and I think that leads us to some misunderstandings of what God is doing. So, so a covenant, I think for us, the best way we can understand a, a covenant, especially a covenant that God makes with uh, people, is the idea of a, of a peace treaty. So with a peace treaty, you know, the, the stronger nation, the, the nation that is victorious comes to the, to the weaker nation and, and says, hey, we'll stop the conflict. And here is what I expect, we expect of you. And these are the, the things that we will do for you. And, and so when we're talking about with God, we understand, because this is what Paul says in Romans chapter chapter five, is that we, because of our sins, we are enemies towards God, right? And, and so God is coming to us and, and he's saying, hey, I want to, to repair this relationship. I want to uh, not be enemies anymore. I want, a, I want this conflict to cease. I want there to be a peace of, between us. And so this is what I'm promising to you. And this is what I expect in, the, in return. And that's what we see here is that God says, hey, go and leave. Go and leave your homeland, what you're comfortable with, and follow after me. Go to the land that I will show you. And when you act in trust, when you live by faith, then you're going to receive my blessing. You're going to be blessed. Your family's going to be blessed. You're, I'm going to bless you for this one purpose. So all the other nations in the world will be blessed. And Abraham acts on that, on that promise. Uh, but it doesn't, things don't happen right away. And, and, and so there is a, a part of Abraham that doubts and he, he does come to God in, uh, in Genesis chapter 15 and, and says, hey, I still don't have a descendant. At, at this rate, my, uh, my servant Eliezer is going to, to inherit everything. And, and God says, hey, hold on. I've made a promise to you. And, and uh, in, in another way, that was a type of, of covenant because it, it uh, relied on God's faithfulness. That is a key feature of all covenants is the faithfulness of the part parties that they were that they are faithful to the promises. They're faithful to what is being agreed on. They're faithful to one another. That's that is a key feature to this. And and when we're talking about God and his faithfulness to us, that all depends on God's loving kindness. So in, in chapter 15, uh, God instructs 
Abraham in, in line with how covenants were made in, in those days to, to cut animals in half. And, uh, and Abraham does that. And then uh, at, in the evening, come, God comes and he, and in this vision of a, of a smoking pot uh, walks through the halves. Usually both parties would walk through the half, but what halves, but what we see here is God himself is the only one that walks between the halves. And, and I, I think he's relaying to Abraham that this covenant, these promises that he has made to Abraham are so important that this covenant relies not on what Abraham does, He's going to break faith. He's going to break the, the terms of the covenant. His descendants are Isaac is, Jacob is, uh, all, all the 12 tribes of, of Israel. They're going to break faith. They're not going to keep the terms of the covenant. And God is saying, you know what? This is so important. I am so committed to this that I am taking on both sides of the covenant. No matter what you do, Abraham, I'm going to be faithful to what I have promised. And again, in chapter 17, God reaffirms this promise. It is promise that he's sealed with a covenant, that he's going to bless Abraham and his descendants to bless all the nations of the world. God comes and, and he affirms this promise to Isaac, Abraham's son of promise, and he affirms it to Jacob, the, the grandson of Abraham, the one that received the birthright, even though there was some trickery involved there. God is saying, this is what I am doing. I am, key, I am remaining faithful to this term, to the terms of these covenants. I am going to keep my promise. Hold on to that. Even in those dark times, even when it doesn't seem like I am, keep a hold of that. And that's what we have, have to remember, that, that, that God has made a new covenant with us through Jesus Christ. And for us to experience the blessings of that covenant, we have to remain faithful. We have to remain faithful. We need to trust God. God is going to do what he has promised. He is going to bring new creation. He's going to... Uh, bring us resurrection. That's going to happen. So we hold on to hope, we hold on to faith, and we do what God has asked us to do. Now, as I said, the Abraham didn't always live up to those terms of, of, the, of the covenant. And the biggest way that we see that is when uh, him and his wife Sarah uh, get impatient. God isn't acting. And and this was Sarah's idea. She comes to Abraham and says, hey, we're old. This descendant thing is probably not going to happen now. So why don't you uh, take uh, my servant Hagar, uh, let's use her as a surrogate, and let's have a descendant, let's have a son through her. And Abraham doesn't argue at all. He, he goes, he, he likes this idea. Uh, it's, it's a culturally acceptable plan. 
and uh, but it causes havoc within Abraham's family uh, because once Hagar gets pregnant, uh, Sarah becomes envious and she makes life difficult for Hagar. She makes life difficult for Ishmael, the son that is born. Uh, and uh, to the extent where two times, two different times, Hagar runs away because of the difficulty she's experiencing there at, at home. What we need to remember here is that God's ways are his ways. And, and yeah, we might be able to, the culture might define good and evil, and we can say, hey, this is good. Everyone in our culture is saying, this is right, this is okay, let's go follow this and do this. But when we neglect what God has said to us, when we neglect God's ways, what we're doing is, is we're inviting chaos and havoc into our lives. We're making things more difficult than, than they need to be. That is why uh, we need to be sure that we are seeking God uh, for guidance and for wisdom and all sorts of things, even in things that we think are just totally black and white. Of course, this is the right thing to do. Well, is it? Or is it just our culture that is saying that this is the right thing to do? Because when we don't listen to God, when we don't seek out his wisdom, we're not bearing out his image. Remember, bearing out the image of God requires us to live with his wisdom and his goodness and his grace. That means we need to be connected with God. We need to be asking God for wisdom to guide us, to fill us with his light. We should be questioning uh, things that are culturally acceptable on whether they are truly right or wrong, good or evil, based on God's definitions, not on our definitions. That's a crucial part to doing all of this. Um, another way that we see Abraham, uh, but particularly his sons Isaac and, and Jacob, kind of mess things up is through favoritism. Um, so with Isaac, he has two sons. They're twins. Isaac favors the older one, Esau, and his wife, Rebecca, favors the younger son, Jacob. And that causes strife in that, in that entire family. It's dysfunction to the point where where Jacob, whose very name means trickster, uh, tricks his older brother out of his birthright. And then he tricks his father Isaac in receiving the blessing that comes to the firstborn child. And that causes Jacob to have to run away and to flee. But that, that whole... Uh, state of affairs comes about because of the favoritism that the parents had in their chill for their children. It caused it caused this strife and this and and uh, and bad relationships there. And then with Jacob, uh, Jacob 
And, and, and part of this is not Jacob's fault because he made it clear which girl, which woman he loved, which sister he loved. And he loved Rachel. And his uncle Laban said, okay, you know, here's what I want you to do. And he tricks Jacob and, and gives her him uh, Leah, the older sister, first, and then and then Rachel. So right away, you're having this, this, this reality where Jacob didn't want Leah as a wife to begin with. He always just wanted Rachel. And uh, and then uh, and then there was this back and forth that then also introduced uh, the servants of of the two wives into the mix and. And there's all these sons. And then when Rachel finally has a son, right? Jacob favors Joseph, even though he's the 11th born son, he favors Joseph and, and gives Joseph all the benefits of being the firstborn, and And that causes strife within the family. So there is this uh, kind of sin of favoritism that wrecks things, especially in relationships. And that's a warning to us that when we are in relationships with other people, when we're in relationship, especially in our families, that favoritism can destroy things. And we have to be careful how we treat one another. And then I think the, the last bit here that, that I want to, to talk about because it's important. It's God asking Abraham to uh, sacrifice Isaac uh, in, in Genesis chapter 22. In our Western modern years, this is, uh, this is a tough story because we, we have a hard time with, with, uh, with killing. Uh, in general, but uh, the, the sacrificing a, a child is just way out there. We we can't even imagine doing that. And so why would God ask Abraham to do this? What is God up to? Well, and this is really more personal opinion than anything. Uh, but I think a, a couple of things that are happening here, and one is that Abraham is living in a culture where child sacrifice is very acceptable. It, it's something that happened on a regular basis. And, uh, and so it would not have been out of the ordinary to hear that, uh, to, to have a God expect that, right? To, to sacrifice your, your child. And yet we know that's not the heart of God. And so I think part of what God is communicating to Abraham and then to Abraham's descendants, uh, because uh, if we take uh, or assume that Moses is the one writing these, uh, writing this down, and it's, it's for that generation of, of Israelites who are coming out of Egypt and heading to the promised land, they're around they're around child sacrifice. It's something that they've experienced. And, and God is, is relaying to them that he is a different type of God, that he does not expect 
the sacrifice of their children to him. He's not wanting that. And what we see in that story is that I that is that Abraham takes Isaac, and at the last moment, God provides a sacrifice. God is telling Israel that he will provide the necessary sacrifices. He will define what is the proper sacrifice and what isn't. And in this case, the ram is the proper sacrifice and Isaac, the child, the son, is not the proper sacrifice. We know from the book of Hebrews that, that Abraham has this faith that God will, will raise Isaac from the dead. And that's part of what's going on here is, is, is Abraham's trust in God, that God is going to keep his, his word. Uh, and that he, that Isaac truly is the son of the promise. But at the back of that, I, I, I really think God is communicating, hey, this, I am the one that defines good and evil and what is good are the sacrifices that I say to make, and that's not your children. I will provide the right sacrifice. I think the other thing that's going on here is that, remember, God has made this covenant with, with Abraham that, uh, that he is going to bless all the nations in the world through Abraham and his descendants. And... God asks Abraham to do this, and, and, and so Abraham takes Isaac, and in his mind, remember, he's, he's already probably grieving, mourning the death of Isaac and whatever that entails, and he makes this journey for three days to the place where God had, wants him to, to, to sacrifice, and and then he relents. And I, I think part of what God is saying, and again, this is just total speculation on my, on my part, is that he's letting Abraham know because this sacrifice is going to happen around the area where Jesus was crucified. I think he's letting Abraham know who the Bible describes as God's friend. God is letting his friend Abraham know that for God to keep this covenant for God to remain faithful to this promise, it's going to cost him his son. That's the price God is going to pay to keep the terms of this covenant. And God is giving Abraham a little insight into that. Again, I don't know if you, you can bet your money on that. I don't know uh, scripturally, uh, texturally, if that's, that's true or not. Just some of the, the things, thoughts that I've had as I've reflected on, hey, what, what is that? What is going on there? Uh, so so um, chapters, Genesis chapters 11 through 35 is, are significant. And, and they're significant because we see the beginning work of what God is doing to redeem and restore his good creation. And they're significant because we see that God continues to work with people who are broken, people like us, right? People who don't always keep the faith, who, who seek to define good and evil on our own. And God overcomes that because he 
has promised that he will be faithful even when we've been faithless. And that's a wonderful thing. And that is uh, one of the positive uh, truths that we can take out of this, is God is going to remain faithful even when we've been faithless. And let's thank God for that. Hey, thank you for joining me today. I want you to uh, like and subscribe uh, this podcast. If you find this beneficial, uh, share it around on, on your social media. And, uh, and so uh, have a great rest of your week and, you, and uh, we'll be back soon. God bless.